Welcome to Develop Lex, a middle tech production hosted by me, Weston Lockhart, Ross Boggess, and Evan Knowles. This series will focus on the ins and outs of real estate development and investing, where we'll have the opportunity to sit down with developers of our cities, veterans of the industry, and key people that have over time made a massive impact on communities and neighborhoods. The purpose of this series is to be able to bring a knowledge base to our audience beyond that of what reading a book or watching a how-to video ever could, and educate from those who have done it by hearing their stories, both good and bad, along the way. We feel that historically the learnings of real estate have been inaccessible without being connected, and we would love to open the doors to the next generation of doers, as well as shine a light on how visions of community have been brought to life. We hope you enjoy. This episode is brought to you by Bank of the Bluegrass. It's easy to preach about being a community bank without actually operating that way, but I can attest as a real customer of Bank of the Bluegrass that they are truly in the community and for the community. Whether it's closing a real estate transaction that needs some creativity, troubleshooting an issue where you need a real person on the other end of the phone, or just the simple fact that when you walk in the door, your banker knows your name, Bank of the Bluegrass has you covered. Plain and simple, the best bank in town. Bank of the Bluegrass, member FDIC. NMLS 421548, Equal Housing Wonder. DevelopLex is sponsored by SVN Stone Commercial Real Estate, a full-service commercial real estate firm located in Lexington, Kentucky, affiliated with the SVN International Network, which is comprised of over 1,600 advisors and staff and 200-plus offices across the globe. The SVN Stone team consists of experienced commercial real estate advisors in the heart of the bluegrass. SVN provides commercial real estate services to large corporations, middle market businesses, and individual entrepreneurial investors. Serving the greater Lexington area, SVN offers advisory services for sales, leasing, management, and development of commercial properties locally, regionally, and nationally. With transaction volume of over $400 million, the advisors at SVN Stone Commercial Real Estate have vast experience and deep understanding of all aspects of commercial real estate. Craftsman Contractors is Central Kentucky's one-stop shop for roofing, windows, siding, and gutters. Craftsmancontractors.com slash contact us will get you straight to the form you need so that their team will get in touch about your project. Or just text Stephen at 859-246-0108. When they finish your project of windows, siding, gutters, or roofing, you'll see what they mean when they say we build with integrity. Welcome back. Uh, we got Weston and I in the Awesome Inc. studio down here on Main Street um, with Raquel Carter. She is a power broker <laughs> um, in Lexington and also has uh, a really cool platform with Lexington for everyone. And um, we're excited to talk about both personal Miss Carter and then also the the professional platform of, of what Lexington for everyone stands for and um, what the changes are that you all are, are looking for in Lexington to make sure that we stay as a competitive as possible. So welcome here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so let's get into the personal just a little bit. Um, so if you can get into your background and mm -hmm. kind of where you're from to where you got or to where you're at today, that would be great. Absolutely, absolutely. So as you mentioned, um, I pretend to be a, a power broker during the day anyway. <laughs> um, I do own my own real estate company. I, I own Guide Realty. We've been in business now for 15 years. I've been licensed for 21 years, so I do have a real estate license. Our Lexington office now has 40 real estate agents, and then we've just expanded into the Louisville market. So I've got three agents that are active up there currently. 
So I, I like to say, you know, I mean, we're talking to a lot of people, right? You know, the, the way the real estate market goes up and down and all those other things, I get to hear it all day long from my clients, from my agents, the text messages, the emails, the, the all the things that are happening. I like to say, you know, I'm really still hands-on and involved in that. We currently are the largest African-American-owned real estate company in Kentucky. So we're, we're growing rapidly. And the Lexington for Everyone platform for me is just because as we're growing, as we're um, finding and creating more opportunities, I just know that there's so much more to be had. You know, as we grow, just because we're achieving doesn't mean that other people should be locked out of those same opportunities. So that's, I didn't have extra time, but <laughs> but, but that's the reason I, I decided to be a part of Lexington for Everyone. What What is kind of the, or what was your reason for getting involved in that? Or yeah. Um, yeah. how did you get to where you're at today? Yeah. Well, um, the Lexington for Everyone piece in particular, you know, it's, it's a nonprofit um, that's been started specifically for, um, with, through Commerce Lexington, they recognized a need, a need, you know, a need to, as they are out recruiting people or trying to grow and expand in our market, there were certain conversations and topics that kept coming up. And so um, they really uh, it, were not directly uh, a Commerce Lexington organization, but just because they had their, uh, I guess you call them, they had the pulse. They knew what was going on, and they said, we have this gap. There's something that needs to be happening because Homes are, are becoming unaffordable. They're having more trouble bringing jobs. And all of it ties back to both equity and availability of land and the ability to develop. So as I mentioned, I didn't have any free time, actually. <laughs> so in, in weighing that decision, because it is a, you know, anytime you commit to something, it is it, it can be time consuming. I just thought every aspect of what I do business related, you know, every aspect of real estate, we are big advocates of home ownership. We are big advocates of um, closing the homeownership gap between minorities and, and non-minorities. And, and I'm a woman entrepreneur, right? <laughs> I'm clearly a person of color. So all these things, all these people that are most impacted or most negatively impacted, you know, they need someone, they, they need a voice. They need someone to be out there um, having the conversation. And so that's why I, I joined Lexington for Everyone. And so... 20-something years of experience mm-hmm. seeing how Lexington's home arts. You've, you've felt everything from the 2008 yeah. pressures to interest rates being at, at all-time low to right now. And there's all these different factors. What what do you hear when people are buying houses, whether it be the first-time folks, um, people that may not be from our town, people that are Lexington natives? What, what are those pressures that you're saying are part of the gap? That yeah, yeah. Um, one of the largest things right now, of course, is pricing. You know, um, over the last 10 years, our median price is up 80%. So that's 80% higher. So just think 21 years ago, you can graduate from college. You can be a, uh, a nice new young couple just getting your job started. And you can get a good, what we would have called an entry-level starter home for $95,000, $100,000. You know, that's um, $120,000, you know, just a, a price and where you would start. Um, now our median price is two hundred and seventy-five thousand, up to three hundred thousand on some months, and this is your first house, right? You know, and that's a big jump. And people are still doing it. You know, they'll find ways to do it, but there are people that can't do it now. 
And the other thing is I, I, I don't like to be hypocritical because, because the prices have raised 80%. You know, that's been great for our business. That's been great for us that we're already homeowners. You know, if you already owned a home, you had great benefit mm -hmm. from this increase. But that's kind of the point. It's like you're, you benefited or we have benefited, and now we're saying that's enough. You know, it's like, oh, we've got our part, but now we're, we're making things harder for other people to, to be available, you know, to get into the wealth building opportunities that we have. And then we end up seeing that in education. You know, when you get, when kids go to school and you own a home, you get a little equity line out, you pay for them to go to college, right? If you have entrepreneurial dreams, <laughs> you know, you need capital, most people, most small business owners, they take some equity out in their house and they become a business owner. So it's not just the house thing, you know, it's the, the full picture of it, being able to have all of those things available. Mm -hmm. It's important, yeah. And so um, what, what exactly is the mission of Lexington for everyone? And, and yeah. What are you all doing day to day? Yeah, um, I'm not sure who our marketing geniuses were, but I mean, it's just that clear, you know, it's Lexington should be for everyone. We don't want to make it exclusive to, you know, the long-term people that have been here. We, we love our farms. You know, we, we love our farmland. We, know, we love the horse industry. All of those things are part of our fabric. That's part of who we are. And we absolutely want all those things to con continue to exist and prosper. But what we also want to make sure is that we have space for other people as well, for all people. You know, so if you graduate from UK and you want to stay in Lexington, you ought to be able to. And you can't you can't do that very easily now. We've sold more houses than my this is a funny story. My my accountant, my CPA, he sent me a, a email, he was doing my accountant, my taxes, and now I've got all these counties, you know. It used to be three or four that I would sell and he was like, Well, had thirteen counties this time. He was like, Do you think we'll be in each of them? You know, should I set up the accounts and I'm like, I think we will. I mean, I, I think we'll have to continue to operate in those counties because my agents are showing houses to people in Lexington and their multiple offers, the price is high, they can't find them. So now they're like, well, I'll go to Clark County or I'll try Jessamine County. So we're pushing them out of Lexington. If they want to be there, that's great. But if they want to live in Lexington, they should be able to. And I think it's something like 51% of our workforce right now works in Lexington and lives outside of Fayette County. I heard that statistic that it just changed yeah. to the majority just a couple flipped years over. ago. Yeah, yeah. And and we think that's bad. Some folks think that's good, you know. We'll hear the narrative, oh, well, you know, we're getting the payroll taxes and we're not getting strain on some of our infrastructure and that type of thing. And part of that could be true. However, people don't want to have to do it. You know, we're also... Um, you know, we're commuting, you know, they're driving back and forth. And that goes against your, um, the narrative about uh, emissions and, and the environment and the effect we have on that, that type of thing that we people seem to feel expansion and growth will hinder. Well, you know, we're forcing people to be LA-like now, <laughs> you know. They're going to have to uh, commute back and forth and not always by choice is the issue. I just think the choice should be there. Are you looking to start or scale your real estate portfolio in Central Kentucky? Check out Rapid Fire Investments. They find off-market, discounted real estate deals just for you. 
so you can save time and maximize profits. From single family homes to multifamily apartments, no matter what your investment goals are, Rapid Fire can help you reach them. Sign up for their email list today and get notified when new properties become available. Just go to rapidfireinvestments.com. That's rapidfireinvestments.com. So what have other cities done that Lexington really should take a lesson from that is saying, wow, we, Lexington was the first to have an urban service boundary, but mm-hmm. there's also other cities that were the first to do something else. What, yeah. what are we maybe, maybe missing the point on or, or what do we need to learn from other places? Yeah, um, what I think is most unique is that we really don't necessarily have to learn from some of the other places. We have the resource to not have the same issues as some of the other places have. Just like as our prices skyrocketed, everyone will say, well, that's it was a national trend that happened across the board. Well, back in 2008, that was another a good example before the bubble burst the real estate bubble first, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, before that particular time, you know, prices were going up, 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 and they were going up crazy in other places. And although they continued to go up in Lexington in the Fayette County area, what I remember the conversation was then is that we were always still more insulated. You know, if the, the market went really high, you know, we went up, but we weren't, you know, we didn't go ridiculously up. When we fell, we didn't fall as low. And I think that back then we we didn't realize that some of that was because of the resources that we have, the the ease or the we still were developing. We still had some builders. We still had some of that going on. And I think now we're falling into the narrative of the rest of the country when you know the supply and demand economics is a real thing, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if we are purposely restraining the inventory because we are doing it purposely, restraining the inventory, then, of course, we're going to price people out. Um, you release some of the inventory. We make it uh, available for people to to develop. The prices will adjust. So um, speak to that a little bit more, if you could. How, how do you see Lexington as a mm-hmm. city um, constraining the inventory, and then what is a way to mitigate yeah. that? Yeah. Well, here's the, the funny thing. Before, shortly before I was on Lexington for Everyone, I guess before I w- started advocating more in our real estate space, I didn't know what the urban service boundary was. When you talk to most folks, they don't know what the urban service boundary uh, is. We go to, um, I spoke to the mortgage bankers, and they're all just looking like, what is this thing? You know, <laughs> what is this thing called, this imaginary line that that we put in place? And it, it made sense. I, I mean, I'm a very logical person. I understand why it happened. I understand why it was done. And no one wants to erase the line and let things go willy-nilly. Absolutely no one wants that to happen. No one that I know personally, anyway. Right? <laughs> no one wants that to happen. But the fact that we've created this space and we say everything that has to happen should happen within this space. And that particular space is only 30% of the entire Fayette County, it's like, you know, we're pushing everyone into the same. I mean, it's just logically and on a piece of paper, right? It's just, it's not even theoretical. We are forcing everyone in. We are, um, me personally, you know, we're big fans of infill and development. You know, I, I would, I always say if I didn't have kids and 
married with kids, I'd be a downtown girl, you know, in the condo. <laughs> <I'd walk. laughs> I think I need the condo with the nice balcony with the lights on it, and we would all hang out, you know. But um, you want to buy one of the city center ones? I'm sure I do. I'm sure I do. <laughs> I've still got that one. I got one getting out, but I got one left at home. And it's just lifestyle choices, you know. I, I, living in the condo on top of city center, and then having to go to gymnastics and lacrosse, and, and the, the baby—that's just too much, right? <laughs> you know, <it's> like, <laughs> so, but the thing is, those are—I mean, we have great developments. We've had lots of opportunities to do that. I also sit on. Um, I'm the chair of the Board of Adjustments down mm. uh, for Fayette Urban County Government. And one of the things I see, we only do a small piece, you know, variances and conditional uses and, and that type of thing. But one of the things I also see is happening is that we, we as a, a staff, as a, I guess, a, as a city, as a, as a policy, are really wanting to push infill and redevelopment. But every time something comes before us or comes before the planning commission or any of those things, I mean, nobody wants it, right? Yeah. Nobody, no, the neighbors don't want it. I mean, there's a piece of land right here that needs to be developed that's in the middle of an existing neighborhood that's already pretty full with no parking and uh, they don't have garages and, and that type of thing. And here they are and we're saying, oh, well, let's let's build out those pieces first. And it sounds good until you realize, oh, well, that's right here by my house. And those folks come out. <laughs> when I walk into one of those rooms, you know, on a meeting day and it's filled full of people, I'm like, oh, they're getting ready to put something in somebody's neighborhood. <laughs> I mean, that's what's going to happen. The are out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's the, you know, that's the prerogative. But the thing is, there's no other alternatives. We're saying this is what you need to do. And it can't be done very easily. And so um, in terms of like actionable steps mm -hmm. behind that, you know, obviously there's decisions that are made at the city level mm -hmm. or that, you know, people can weigh in on or um, that people need to be educated on. Kind of what is the organization advocating for action actionably? Yeah, yeah. So uh, we really have a, it's kind of a, a two, it is a twofold approach because something has to happen now. And I'm talking to the experts now, right? Even if we say, okay, we're going to allow the opportunity for some additional development. Let's allow some of these pro this property that's outside of the urban service boundary that has willing sellers that would like to, or willing owners that would either like to sell or develop that property. Let's allow them to go through the process to be considered for development which is really what we're asking, <laughs> because no one is saying, oh, just let everybody do it. What we're saying is, okay, there are areas outside of the, uh, the urban service boundary that are not protected areas, that are not PDR areas, that have owners that would like to move forward. So in those instances, that can happen now. You know, those things can happen now. But when I said I'm speaking to the experts, if we even make the decision to allow them to start the process now, you know, by the time you decide you want to do a development until the time it can actually, I mean, that's what, four or five years mm -hmm. if everything goes the way it's supposed to. <laughs> and so whatever decisions we're making now, it was still going to be four or five years before we would see any outcome of them. Mm -hmm. So by not allowing something to happen now, by not uh, identifying parcels of land that can be considered now, then what we're doing is pushing, pushing it down the road even farther. So even if um, 
the powers that be <laughs> felt that all the land wasn't needed now, felt that it wasn't definite. I mean, we think it's an urgent situation. We clearly do. But maybe if, if others don't feel it's urgent yet, we know it will be. I mean, the trajectory is is there. Yeah. So we know that it will be. And we know we can't wait four or five years later and then make a decision to act on it because now we're 10 years out. And so something has to happen now. But then long term, we really can look at that. You know, we can put the process in place. We could have those conversations that go a little farther, that look at just the areas that are not preserved. Because there's, I think it's like 27,000 acres. It's not in the preserved land. And, and everyone that has this conversation agrees to basically the same areas, you know, going out the Winchester Road corridor and going out Athens Boonesboro near the interstate, you know, yeah. <laughs> right there where there's other development, not by any horse farms. So everybody agrees that we've got these areas that, that we identified, which would have the, the least amount of negative impact on, um, on, on some of the other, uh, some of the other issues that we have. Yes. So I would say the term you used of protected areas, mm -hmm. um, is there a, is there a difference between things outside of the urban service boundary and protected areas? Like, are, is there land outside of the urban service boundary that is not protected, quote unquote? Yes, there is. So there's a, about, I'm going I'm to work on my you numbers I, here. <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, there's about 27,000 acres that's not protected that's outside of the urban service boundary. I think the other 90-some-odd thousand acres is considered protected. And that's all Fayette County? Yeah, that's just Fayette County. Okay. And the protected areas, what, what deems something to be a protected area? It has a deed restriction or it is like a horse farm or something like that? Yes. Okay. So, all those, so um, most of those are involved in the, the PDR, the um, protected development rights. Uh, the city, in conjunction with the government on different levels, have put millions of dollars into this PDR project that actually, I'll misstate the millions, but I, I think it's over $100 million or so. It's a, they put a lot of money and time and effort in protecting these particular pieces of land. And by protecting what I'm, what we're saying is they actually pay these people not to develop their land. You know, we're actually paying to have this land protected to not be developed. So even an owner that would like to sell within that area couldn't do so. Is that a Lexington thing or is that a Kentucky program? How do other cities have that? I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not okay. sure how widespread it is. So I, I don't want to miss that yeah and sure. it's one of those things i didn't know what it was either i'm mm -hmm. sitting in the meeting and they're talking about urban service boundary and pdr and pdr i'm like is that like pdq is that a corner shop on <laughs> first i had to google and i'm like oh okay this is what we're talking about <laughs> and so and so the hope um or it's just for clarification because yeah. i think it's helpful to hear and for people to be as educated as possible We've said it multiple times to guests and to people that are, you know, listeners of DevelopLex. Our our job is to bring as many outside opinions as possible and let people make up their own decisions. But in order to have that, I feel like we have to have clarification on some things of yeah. all of the different perspectives out in Lexington. So um, with that, the hope with either A, expanding the urban service boundary, yeah, with expanding the urban service boundary is that people can then develop on um, land that is not, quote-unquote, protected 
Is that the? That is correct. Okay. Yes. So, so there is land outside of the urban service boundary that can be brought into the boundary. And we don't want it to be, let's just do the line like this. Yeah. I mean, we have it, video now so we can see the line. Right. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to just expand the line as it's drawn on the map. We want to do it smartly. Yeah. We actually identify parcels and they may or may not be contiguous, you know, but they have been um, deemed to be sewerable and, and those costs would all fall into the developer, right? You have to pay for all that thing. stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> it is, it is, you know. So, and and the developers will have to. It's not the city's not taking the, you know, they don't have to take on the burden of those costs. We just have to release it. Um, one of the arguments I do here, which it, it's fairly valid, when we have in the past opened up land for building houses. You know, we talk a lot, a lot about the affordability piece, but right now if a piece of land comes open to build some houses, they're not very affordable, right? Yeah. You know, we're getting bigger houses and bigger houses and the people that can afford to do the developments and for the money you have to put in. So that is an issue and that is a concern. And I do think that that would take some type of um, a government and, and private partnership to make that not completely happen. If we wait on the economic forces to let, to make that. I do think it would happen eventually because some of what happens now is, you know, people, if they don't have anywhere to move, then they're not selling their house. You know, mm -hmm. it's like people moving up. So we could still have some more expensive developments. And as the people move up, it shifts the availability of the houses. So um, that's clear, but I, that's, that's probably the, the argument I hear that's, most like, yeah, you're you're right. If we just open up land for housing, if I if I have a piece of land for housing, I I'd like to make as much money as mm -hmm. I could from mm -hmm. it. So I, I do understand that the jobs piece as well. You know, it does limit the the companies that can be brought in because there's they need space. You know, they want acreage. They need camp. You know, some of them have campuses to bring in enough folks and. And we don't have much of that available, many options. There, there was a funny day where an out-of-town, very big institutional investor called us, hey, I want a big warehouse in Lexington. This is the size. And I said, there, there's nothing. You know, there, there's got to be something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, not, not that size. Yeah, yeah, you got all this land. Surely there's <laughs> something. Richmond, like... great. Richmond? No, no, we want a Lexington address. Mm -hmm. and it, it was interesting that, New York City, Wall Street, they want a Lexington address when yeah. they're investing in some of these developments. Yeah, yeah. And um, and Jenna over at Commerce Lexington, she sees it firsthand. Not only the conversations that she is having, but the conversations she never gets to have. Mm -hmm. Because like you said, there, there's a checklist. And you're like, okay, we need this amount of land. We need a city that has this type of thing and, you know, these types of things available. Um, I haven't gone to many. I was trying to think. I was at one of the commercial launches. I, I can't remember. But the particular guy, I remember him talking about his developments here in, in northern Kentucky and in Louisville. And someone asked him, I don't know if you may have been there, but someone asked him in particular, what's the difference in the process? And he says, well, if I'm doing anything in Fayette County. It's difficult. Gary Holland. There you the go. Holland group, yeah. Yes, that's what it was. He says, and if if they have any pushback or any question, he's like, I got I got to get an attorney. Yeah. And that's true. If you come before us on the board, you know, if they have questions, you have to get an attorney, right? Yeah. <laughs> because that means there there's going to be some some fight, and um, 
that wasn't his same experiences in similar size markets. And, and he said with that, he said, you know, if it's already zoned correctly, Lexington's incredible. Like if you're if you're converting a McDonald's, just for reference, the Holland mm-hmm. Group is the um, group that does all the Skyline Larosas. Now they bought American um, for all the listeners. But, um, you know, he said if it's zoned correctly, you know, if the city's on board, then Lexington's an incredible place to do business. Like yeah. we want to be in Lexington all day. I'll, I'll overpay in Lexington to be mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. But if it's not zoned correctly and if people ha- are have a say to push back, they will. And, it, it you know, every time every time they do have to get my attorney involved, which yeah. is yeah. You know, yeah. which is a bummer. It's, it's a thing that I don't know that many Lexingtonians – understand Lexington's perception outside of our bubble mm-hmm. that I started spending a lot more time in Atlanta and there was a developer pitching a site to Ross, we're not doing Lexington. My heart just kind of fell. I said, why? Because it's just too hard. It's not worth it. And to hear, I was like, wow, we have a town that people are scared to come to. People say it's not worth it. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. The the argument I feel like that gets made is if you did just open up the urban service boundary and made it, you know, everybody just went gangbusters. How do you how do you strategically develop or what what kind of actions do you think, you know, Lexington for everyone or the city would um, advocate and making to where people couldn't just do whatever they wanted outside the urban service boundary? Two things. One, we're actually not suggesting to get rid of the urban service boundary altogether. It's just we don't want to blow it up. We don't want to lose our city the way it is. We don't want to lose control of any of those of the development and the growth. We do want smart growth. Right. Um, I I know that's the fun term to say, you know, smart growth. But with that. um, But with that being said. We still have to to do something. There's already a process in place. I mean, as we just talked about our planning process, our to get through the 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 zoning and the planning commission and then the city council votes on the development, we already have a process in place. It's anywhere from 12 months to 12 to 18 months just on a regular project, right? So there are lots of controls already in place. We can be more determined and specific on the process. You know, we could do some things that, you know, that I I guess manage it a little better. And I think that's what some of the folks are saying. It's like, let's take some more time and put, and and let's do some more research and let's get some more consultants and let's do some more studies so that we have a a new process or that we determine that our current process is okay. And what we think is that both of them can happen simultaneously. We have lots of checks and controls. There is a process. There's no willy-nilly developing, even within the urban service boundary, mm-hmm. right? You know, so all of those steps will continue to be in place. But what we're saying is that there are areas outside of the urban service boundary that would have an opportunity to even go through the process, sure. and they can't do that now. This might be an out-of-left-field um, question or suggestion, but I remember hearing, I talked to a guy named Joe Brumley who works for Cowgill and, um, the way that they are developing that property that uh, now UK healthcare is mm-hmm. going on is there are like specific allocations to the amount of things that you can do percentage wise based off of that zoning. So I remember mm-hmm. there's, you know, a certain percentage can be office, a certain percentage can be retail, I wonder if that's, I don't know if that's something that gets talked about at those meetings. Um, it does. Okay. So that process is already in place. You know, that's already part of the planning and, and development process. And um, 
we are as a, a, a city, as a organ, um, administration, very involved in that process. Sometimes, all the times, down to what trees go where, right? Yeah. You know? yeah. What trees and. God forbid you want to drive through. You yeah. know, that's going to be a whole <laughs> different conversation. That's right? my deal. But it's great. I'm making fun of it. And yeah. sometimes, especially when you're business people or real mm. estate people, you're like, oh, my gosh, it doesn't make any sense. Gosh, Weston's back. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's trying to bring another drive through. But what you understand is that there's clearly already checks and controls and a process in yeah. place. So those things won't just blow up and happen and we'll look and we'll wonder what happened to our city. So there have been some meetings developing a comprehensive plan. Uh-huh. A comprehensive plan for the, our listeners is not just the line. There's more to it. I've, I've heard that there's been some very meetings that probably should have gone to Kentucky Theater for size <laughs> and already had a popcorn booth in the back. Absolutely. Um, what, what are we hearing from the people that are speaking up? Yeah. Um, the most recent public comment meeting that um, I attended, you know, there have been several, uh, but the the most recent one, it's so interesting. There's very few statements or people that are speaking that seem to be in direct opposition. I think that the majority of people understand that some type of growth has to happen. You know, what is it? Uh, I think it was Jim Host led us off mm-hmm. with, you know, a big, powerful speech. But he's correct, and we're either growing or dying. I mean, you're not actually ever staying the same. And, and for the first time, I, I think in the, the last population check that they had. We had a negative. We had a negative. You know, we, we've grown consistently as a city. And and the first time in our, you know, in the short term or in, in the in – the, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> in, in a long time, we actually had negative population growth. So it's not an option to just stay the same. You know, it's like we're either going to grow in a way that we control or not. The um, Again, even the people who have some conversation about not doing this or continuing to not acting now or continuing to study and have those kind of conversations, even in the, the Goal 4 group, all of those folks are not on – on board with us in the mm-hmm. same conversation of, oh, we do need to go ahead and bring some other land in. However, they did all agree. You know, I think everybody agreed on if we were to do this, these are the areas that it would make the most sense. And um, I think in particular, it's when you hear people talk about 5,000 acres. Uh, I hear people saying that all the time. They did specifically identify 5,000 acres that I think the owner is willing and they would be least impactful and so that that conversation was done. So if everybody is saying, and they are, that we need to grow, we just want to grow smart, that if we do grow, these are the, the directions and areas that make more sense for us, then the frustration becomes, well, what are we even talking about, you know? And that's how it felt sitting in that room. And there were hundreds of people that spoke. The, the council, I mean, they ran that. I mean, people came up. They did their three minutes. They were very efficient, respectful. Everybody had great conversations. Most of the people that were just, and by most, a very small percentage that was just like, no, don't change anything. A lot of them were just fearful of, um, they had horse farms or agricultural farms that they were fearful of development, you know, coming their way. And those areas actually weren't identified in that particular space. And then I heard a lot of environmental concerns. Um, 
So that came up. And then the, the affordability issue still looms. And I'm not sure that we have the right answer to that yet, except that we know that there's going to have to be some partnership to, to make that happen. So, Yeah, that makes sense. Because mm -hmm. as a you know, somebody that is still educating myself on the whole process, it does feel like there's so much pent up demand mm -hmm. that I, I don't, you know, know yeah. if it's going to be a, an easy solution or a quick yeah. fix to yeah. affordability. Obviously, you create more supply. Theoretically, the demand should be less, but yeah, um, it, it should. It should. But like we talked about that timeline, like, but when can that happen and what's going to happen in between that time? I mean, we I, I feel that we're in, in crisis mode or, or close to crisis mode. Um, I think Lexington ranked as the seventh highest uh, city in rent increases, you know, so it's like, okay, it's not even just homeowners. They can't afford to buy a house, but they can't afford to rent you a property into either. A, a black hole, you can't save up. Right, yeah. yeah. And so it's a, it's a, and, and I, I think that, that we can find some creative solutions. Yeah. So if people are enthused, well, slash, they want to learn more about everything going on. What, what are the best resources that if, if they want to look more into Lexington for everyone, how can they? Yeah. How can they do so? That's wonderful. You don't care. get in trouble, but we do have a website, and I'm fairly confident it's lexingtonforeveryone.org, I would imagine. Dot com. Dot com. Okay, now. okay. <laughs> Lexingtonforeveryone.com. Of course, we have our social, social media um, pages as well, but I would watch the, I would, I would watch those particular pieces of, of, of media to figure out when the conversations are happening. I mean, everybody, and you guys, like, that public comment meeting, it is not a good evening. You know, it's like we're there. For, I was there, signed in at 5 o'clock, and I think we were there to 7.30. That is not a fun evening. I get it, right? <laughs> so, and everybody can't do that. And you know, we have kids and dinner, and, you know, plus you just don't want to be bored for two hours. Sure. But, but it's important, you know. So I, I would look for those opportunities we are, uh, we're advocating for it. The city council wants to hear from you. You know, so whoever your council person is, you should call and ask the questions or follow their page. Or I think most of them have newsletters and, and you can get everybody from the LFUCG, the government site, but your council people have to make, they're going to make a decision. And um, one of the things we hope they do is just to make a decision to have some clarity. Um, we think that the council who actually was elected to represent the people of their district can be more specific, you know, in our growth, in our, in our development plan, um, in our comprehensive plan, can be more specific. We think the wording could be more directive. Uh, and and we, we appreciate that from our elected officials. We appreciate that they are the ones that we've elected to put in that place. We want to speak to them, and we would like for them to have some very specifics that go into that plan. The comprehensive plan as it's written now is just, it's very broad. You know, uh, it's kind of hard to disagree with some of it because it doesn't, you know, doesn't say exactly. <laughs> you know. yeah. it, it's directive. It gives some direct. So it also gives a lot of leeway and for staff and turnover. And, and I love all, you know, I work with all those people. I love all, everyone's intentions are, are pure and, and we're all working to get to the same place. But we, we do think that, that our current council is in a very unique position to put a mark on this comprehensive plan that's really going to mean something long term. You know, 
I mentioned before about equity. We right now have the most diverse council ever, you know, <laughs> ever diverse in color, diverse in ethnicity, right? <laughs> diverse in like walks of life, you know, from entrepreneurs to attorneys to, I mean, we have the most diverse council right now. If we have this group of people, which is really very representative of Lexington, that's in this position to put a mark on the comprehensive plan, I just I just feel like the timing is right. The timing is now, and and I'm excited. Uh, they they're very receptive to the public and public comment, and, and just I'm excited for them to have an opportunity to put their mark on the direction that Lexington goes. Or gross. <laughs> I should have said that. <laughs> uh, Forward-facing questions. Um, I would say, obviously, there are decisions being made in Lexington uh, in the future. What are some of those dates, and how can people, if they are interested in attending, what what are mm -hmm. those dates, and in and, and what capacity can they participate? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm not clear. I, I wish I would have looked it up. I don't have clarity on the time, but, but it's a very short uh, time frame. I, I think our council will be having their first vote on it before the end of the month. So um, maybe it's the 27th or, or shortly after then. They can elect to, to continue to push it on. So short term is call your council person now. Call, email. They love emails. It's, it's hard to get any of us on the phone, you know. <laughs> Shoot them an email. You don't have to be a professional. You don't have to have an attorney do it. You know, you don't have to have all the facts. Just let them know how you're feeling, what you're thinking. Uh, they really would appreciate that. But most importantly, uh, having a sense of urgency that we have to do something right now. And that, like I said, it's so hard for community members to be urgent about an imaginary line they didn't know existed because we're busy like with regular life, you mm -hmm. know. And again, I mentioned the kids and the grocery store and the all, all those things, you know, and, and you have your job, right? Yeah. <laughs> all the things that you have to do. But it, it's so important if you can find some time to squeeze in your schedule that then we won't look up and look back and wonder what happened and who made those decisions and why. And when it's like, nobody talked to me, well, we do want to talk to you. We, we really do. And the council members want to talk to you as well. That's great. What is last last question? What is exciting you about where Lexington's at right now? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, real estate's always exciting. Uh, but the as I in business, you know, as I've grown business wise, I, again, I own Guide Realty. I'm the sole owner of Guide Realty right now, and I'm not always advising that. <laughs> Even if you have to pretend like you have a board or something, it's like you know, sometimes it's difficult. But what we do understand is small business is where it's at. And I, I I love the 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 opportunity that you could see, you know, like the entrepreneurship in, in all these spaces and in dabbling in commercial a little bit and some of the things my husband and I do privately. Seeing that so many people want to get going, so many young business owners and and they call and they want to do oh and they and it's just the excitement is that people want to grow. People want to change people. Everybody wants to own their own thing now, right? And, and they should be able to. We want to encourage that. We want to encourage the entrepreneurship. We want to really encourage the wealth building and to say, hey, you know, a job is great, but you might have a job and you might actually create some jobs. You know, you have other opportunities. So uh, for me, that's really exciting. And looking at ways in the commercial side to 
to both be profitable in that area, but also to bring on the a real balance and just like with affordable housing, because you still have to make some money or you can't do it, right? Mm-hmm. So so looking at those opportunities for emerging entrepreneurs, for increasing your home ownership and I think each of my real estate agents, I view each of them as an entrepreneur. You know, it's like helping them build their businesses that way and watching the different directions that they take off. That's really the most exciting. Um, I got a senior graduating, so high school graduation is really exciting for me right now, too. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, okay. yeah, so good, good deal. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. Um, thanks for being specifically involved. Yeah, I thanks for helping. Yeah, thanks for having everybody, me. Yeah. We, we should be more civically involved as a, a city anyway. Yeah. So thanks I for what you I agree somebody's got to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And, good deal. And, and appreciate you joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. How fun was that? <laughs>